Hello and welcome to another episode of Of Sound Health. Today I'm honored to be talking with Isabel Freisberg. Isabel is a leader in arts-based occupational therapy. She is herself a visual artist, a singer-songwriter, and documentary filmmaker. Each of these disciplines inform and nourish her work. Her own creations are inspired by emotion, a story, or by nature. Through her arts-based practices, she has empowered and encouraged individual social participation and community engagement towards enhanced healing, health, and resilience. She is an expert in the areas of occupational therapy, mental health, and psychosocial occupational therapy. The application of expressed arts in occupational therapy have been used to improve and enhance well-being and support participation in community building. Today, we'll be discussing the positive effects for improved well-being, both mental and physical, through shared art making in community. I think that is Isabel right now. Let's start. Hello, Hello. Isabel. I'm here. Do you hear me okay? I hear you very well. And thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Pleasure. Yay. Mm. <laughs> so um, I just thought maybe we could start with a little backstory about you, sort of like how you got interested in arts and then arts-based occupational therapy and maybe sure. a little bio, a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. So um Basically, my favorite class was kindergarten. When I was a kid, we're going to five years old. I loved kindergarten because there was a piano, which I played. There was a sandbox. There was an easel with colored paper and beautiful pastels. Um, there were all these wonderful PlayStations. And I loved every day. And I learned so much. And then grade one, boom, something happened. It was aisles of desks and these printed worksheets that we'd have to do and things change. And I did not learn as much as I did in kindergarten. And I wasn't as excited about learning as I was in kindergarten. And uh, it's interesting how that education process seemed to be more linear from grade one on. But I always remembered kindergarten and how much I enjoyed music and art and playing. And that I never forgot that. And that's something that I embrace and value, not only in my own art practice, but in my wellness work in integrating art and wellness and occupational therapy. So when you were developing yourself as a young adult and going to art school, and later on OT school, that memory informed everything you did then probably. Well, it, it sparkled. It, 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 it did, it stayed with me and it made me realize how important play, fun, beauty is to one's spirit and one's being. And I would grab for it in any way throughout my education process. And when it was missing, I'd seek it elsewhere. 
And so when you first started out as an OT, young OT, did you find that there was a lot of interest in incorporating the arts and allowing people to self-discover as you did through the arts? Or was this something that you kind of had to, you know, make your way through on your own? It was a combination. I, of course, I would find places to work that had some space or opportunity for being creative, but it wasn't a huge space. I, I remember when I graduated, I had a, um, a job in orthopedics and in palliative care. And um, it was in palliative care where I, I would do watercolors with someone who was on her way, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget what she said to me, but she was really talking about the watercolor. She commented on, and I was young, I was in my mid-20s. She says, you have a remarkable amount of stillness for your age. Wow, that and, is very, very interesting. Yeah, I'll never forget that. But I think the stillness that she was talking about was the experience of doing the creative watercolors. I mean, back then we didn't have mindfulness, you know. Well, do you think that the it, in a way it is a form of mindfulness that occurs <laughs> physiologically, mentally, psychologically when you do art? Mm-hmm. Jesse Luther, one of the earliest OTs, I don't know if you know about her, um, she would call it uh, self-forgetfulness. Wow. Involved in an activity of high interest, a creative activity, and she painted and did all kinds of things. Um, there's a great book that Ju Judith Friedland, um, a professor emeritus from the University of Toronto, um, published and wrote Restoring the Spirit. And uh, could you repeat that name again? Restoring the Spirit. It's the history of occupational therapy. Restoring the spirit by Ju Judith Friedland. Excellent. So that our listeners are able to go ahead and find it. Yeah, it's a great. Thank book. you so much. That sounds like a great resource. Mm -hmm. Now, did you read that book and then uh, try and incorporate some of the things, or that did you book start to? Here. This is more when I it it was just my intuitive sense that I mean what the reason why I chose occupational therapy um, is because it was a profession that spoke about finding meaning and purpose through activity yeah and we still continue to use that in our occupational therapy framework as one of the client factors that is the spiritual factor we do not we acknowledge it and we do not ignore it. And that's one of the reasons why I also got very interested into occupational therapy was that holistic perspective of the person, as opposed to which, of course, the, the medical model, which is very physical and structural. So what can an, uh, uh, for one of our listeners who's not familiar, what can they expect when they enter an occupational therapy environment that is taking this approach, that this holistic approach versus like, say, the stand, standard rehab clinic without that aspect? 
Well, they could expect a lot of connection and creativity and laughter and fun and self-awareness and growth and learning and building confidence and skills. So which populations have you worked with that you've seen these things occur and how did that generalize into other areas of their life, which ultimately may propel them forward to better health or maybe even reintegration into society? Oh, absolutely. All of the above. Um, I, I have worked for many of my years of practice in mental health and addictions and people with um, like from as young as 18 to, you know, 80, um, diverse degrees of um, many very, very serious and long-term, but also some who would have acute um, and then return back to work or return back to school. And so reintegrating them into what, where they, they're, you know, where they left off, like after an accident or something like that, yeah, they found you, art as a, a nice segue. Yeah, I could tell you a story of a woman who um, was in an MVA accident, um, had a concussion, a brain injury, and then it set off, it brought out um, a bipolar episode for her. And um, she was an inpatient and she was a dancer. And um, as a result of the accident, she no longer had the same facility with her left side, her left leg. But she came to the studio, a very bright woman, and she was able to rebuild her confidence and her skills through entering different creative forms. I mean, her creative uh, area of experience was dance, but she never did any clay or painting or music. And she got involved in all these various forms. And that gave her the confidence to actually work on a small film. I connected her with another a member in the program who made her own film. And so I thought this member would be a great mentor for her. And she actually completed a film and she um, went back to work um, in arts administration. And now she works in production. Huh, that is such a great story. I love the, 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 the sense of discovery and unfolding that you described that people find themselves bereft and then all of a sudden art is not only uh, a lifeboat but it's actually a boat that takes them to new horizons of themselves that they didn't even know was were inside them absolutely because you have to see the the program that I designed um, was is expansive it's not limited in a kind of cookie cutter way so that people can take what they need and translate it or um, transform it to the area that they need to use for themselves. So it's a genuine, uh, you're using art as, and then the actual act of producing art seems to be a material itself to life. 
the, and the it, art piece is their life. <laughs> absolutely. And it's in the context of a community. It's in the uh -huh. context of an environment where it's an art studio. It's not some activity room. It's not some little back office. It's, it's a real art studio. And it's in a community with other people of different and ages. That, and that alone probably can be like a enhancement to if they've lost their social skills for whatever reason okay. that they can practice in a safe environment and in a, in a shared interest and love uh, their communication skills or even their cognition through the organization of the art materials and communicating their interests absolutely because they're not focused on their illness they're focused on something that's positive right and we would have like here here's an example Okay. They would come in, the program would start 1.30, and they, they'd leave around 4 or 4.30. And within three hours in the afternoon, they would have the opportunity to learn a skill, have a cup of tea or coffee, um, get to know someone in the group, um, feel comfortable chatting in a group. Or not, if they wanted to just watch or be quiet, they had that opportunity. But there was a flexibility in the group to socialize or just be with others that are social, to focus on creating something, to make something new, to have the supplies there for you, um, to giggle and <laughs> experience some wonder. And surprised, because I'm sure a lot of them were surprised what they produced. Like that, that one uh, uh, client of yours in your wonderful, wonderful film, um, uh, Courtney, he talked about how through his art, he was able to create his own story, which was a different story from what he thought it was. Exactly. And that is the gift of this work, is that you are able to create new stories, you don't have to go back to the old story and you're given the opportunity in an environment that supports a new story to be discovered and created. I am so impressed with this program of yours. Do, is it ongoing or do you uh, have it like, is it like a program like every three months and then uh, it stops and then it picks up again? How does that work in your current situation well right now i left the program three years ago um and the program um i ran it for 20 years um and the program has gone through its own changes over the last i'd say four years different budgets different um financial challenges in the program but it continues and of course covid <laughs> doesn't make it easy for the so would you say finances then is the probably the most um, biggest ob obstacle to these kind of programs finances and leadership at the time um, I was fortunate and blessed while I was developing this program that I had directors and managers that supported fully supported the program because I had to I had to build new partnerships I had to write grants I had to do things that some might say were out of my scope but they allowed me to do that 
Well, that's, you know, one of the great traits of all OTs, I find, is that we're very entrepreneurial in that way. And so uh, we sometimes help our patients become entrepreneurial in a way because they see us trying new things, even as they're trying new things. So uh, do you think that the lack of leadership is because they don't have the knowledge or the research isn't there? Or maybe uh, how would you recommend encouraging our leadership to understand the importance of art-based occupational therapy? Firstly, it's a culture, right? It's, mm-hmm. it, it's changing culture and research. I think in the last, um, since the who, um, you know, the, the, the who um, news in the report that they came up with first in 2019, and you, you showed me one in 2020, but the research that is coming out now, um, in the UK and, and Australia, um, some in Canada, the United States, all the sources of, of research that's coming together globally, celebrating and showing the impact that the arts are making to both physical and mental, as cogn- cogn- cognitive, all these gains is definitely um, having an, an impact on people's understanding and openness towards it. However, it's still going to take time for people to be open to the change. And is that also because of the reimbursability of it? Like there's no direct correspondence of, you know, a reimbursement through an uh, insurance company? I mean, are the arts insured uh, at all? I mean, are they being reimbursed by insurance companies or how does that part portion quite- of that is a wonderful question. Not directly, no. I mean, I think it would be fantastic if insurance companies would have that, you know. Um, and what role could we play in helping, uh, you know, suggest that to them? Because there is, a, seems to be, at least from everything I've looked at, the, the research, your research, your articles, uh, that there is a direct correspondence that you can say these people, if they hadn't had this art space, might have relapsed and gone back into the hospital and we prevented them and hence we saved money for society as a whole and improved their lives. Well, I think the education and being vocal and advocating is going to play a huge role. I think we need to advocate and that's why I, I've chosen to go into educating. My role right now mostly is in educating the importance of the arts and um, what it can do. Well, I think that, um, in, and I was so excited to see that you had the course uh, with the continuing, uh, uh, the continuing Education Association with Canada. And, yes. And you say you're going to develop your own as well. Could you tell well, us a little bit about who is it sure. going to and uh, how you yeah, got inspired yeah. to do it and so forth and so on? Yeah, yeah. I'm working on a website right now that's called Arts-Based Wellbeing. I'll probably have it ready for end of spring, early summer. And um, I'm developing a course outline based on seven tools that I've discovered and that comes from my work and practice of doing the um, community art-based occupational therapy. And I, what these tools will share 
are how to develop leadership, how to develop the kind of compassion, the creativity through the arts, enablement and engagement, um, celebration and education and other um, resources and references to support the work. So I'll be sharing um, these tools in an online educational format with activities that will foster your own development. And allow each therapist to be able to have an opportunity to know exactly how to create their own art space if they want to for their clients. Yeah, it'll be a guideline and to nourish their own creativity. Because I really fully believe that you cannot do this work without authentically being in touch with your own creativity and nourishing that. Well, I found uh, I find that your approach, especially the part of it being expansive as opposed to cookie cutter, because there are a lot of books, like you say, you know, like coloring books, you know, for anxiety or something like that are very cookie cutter. It seems like what you are offering is uh, an opportunity for occupational therapists to develop their own well-being through art, as well as from there, them sharing that. Yes, and redefining occupation, putting the play back to occupation, not just the work, the work and the play, and not just for children, but for adults. That is important. We've taken the play out of occupation. And it's so interesting because without play, there can't be any um, advancement, not only in the work, but there can't be personal development and advancement because it seems like play is what allows us to kind of try on, I guess, in a way, certain aspects of self and then let them go and pick up new ones. Uh, because in your movie too, and in, in a lot of your writing, it seemed like people were able to experiment where, where their next step in life would be after they got better. Would you talk a little bit about uh, developing sense, sense of self uh, through art? Oh, absolutely. That kind of development gives you resilience. I could tell you the story of a young woman who um, came to our program shortly after being an inpatient and she was self-harming. And um, at that time, we were working on a music project. We, we got a grant um, to create an album of music that we wrote in, in, in the studio. Um, so we were working on a record and we were working in a professional um, music studio and we were recording 11, 11 songs. And I had 15 members come to record for five days from nine in the morning till five in the afternoon, a full day's work. And this, this um, recording the album, we, we had professional musicians on board. We had some volunteers and myself. It was an incredible experience. But for this one woman, she had difficulty just getting on a subway to get to the recording studio. So another member volunteered to come with her so that she would get the confidence to, to come to the music studio. And after that, she came every day. The first two days, you know, she was having a little bit of difficulty finding her voice. But the recording engineer and all the members were so supportive. There was no judgment. And 
by the end of the recording, she came each day, stayed with it from nine, from early morning to late afternoon. And recording takes a lot of focus. And I said to her, how did you manage to do it? I am so amazed. And she said, it was the songs. I came because those songs meant something to me. That is so powerful. Yeah, there's many of those kind of stories. And that is what helped me understand what gets people out of bed, what helps people moving in their journey. They need something bigger than themselves. Well, that's a perfect segue to the next thing, which we love to leave our listeners with a little parting gift. And I was wondering... What would you suggest for like, you know, health professionals right now, we're experiencing a lot of burnout. They were experiencing it before COVID. It was, you know, identified as an extreme problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it was across the board in all professions. But how would you tell people to just a small way in which they could start integrating the arts, uh, whether it be music or art? Just give us a suggestion that we could just start something very simple that all of us can just say, oh, I I think I could do that. I could integrate that. Well, really simple things, whether it's turn on, turn on your your iPad or your, you know, whatever playlist of music that you like to listen to and dance to it, sing to it, think about some songs that you really love and sing along whether you have a good voice or bad voice engage Mm -hmm. with or if you feel more comfortable moving to music move to it Um, if you if you're curious about drawing start doodling take a a little book a journal and be playful with it and start just writing and doodling I also recommend beauty walks where we're doing a lot of walking these days as a result of COVID. When you go for a walk, go let yourself be captured by something that that's beautiful or has some wonder and take a photo of it like a treasure hunt that you're looking for something that's going to catch your eye. To be open and aware of that beauty is around and that you're able to catch it. Yeah, and make it part of your life and that you're active in in being a finder of beauty, of music, of art, of poetry, whatever it is, whatever your passion is. If, If you like food, you know, try creating something different. And notice if you make a mistake, this is something I thought of today, Mm-hmm. Whether you're able to free yourself and go, oh, isn't that interesting? Or do you get upset with yourself? But just notice it because trying new things means you will make a mistake. But you and, to- and, that, and that noticing, you kind of develop the uh, capacity to witness is what you're talking about? Exactly, to witness and be easier and kinder to yourself. And the arts is an opportunity to be kinder to yourself. Especially because you can see the progress you make. So you can know that you are a changeable being capable of being at the very beginning of the doodle phase to maybe doing a little bit more refined drawings. Yeah, but most of all, play. Find out how you can play, how you can bring back 
playfulness in your life, whatever that is. I love that. And I cannot thank you enough for this time, Isabel. You are just completely delightful. I'm going to put your website uh, on the links on the show tunes and it, uh, they'll be able to reach you. That has your email. Yes. And my you e- can count on me on your workshops. I will be there. I am so delighted that you're in the world oh, and you're sharing pleasure. this. And you could subscribe. Um, you know, to my website and, um, you know, let me know if you're interested in the arts-based occupational therapy. And I will absolutely let you know when the course is going to be available, both the one that I'm going to be um, doing on the um, the tools. There'll be uh, seven tools plus references and resources and CAOT, the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists, I will be providing a course through them in July and then another one, I believe, in October. Wow. Well, we have plenty of opportunities to engage with the arts with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully we'll be able to have you on another show and we can talk more in depth about perhaps how to start one's own arts-based program after we've taken your classes. We can then delve a little bit more into it. Oh, I'd be happy to. It's so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. My pleasure, Sabrina. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Of Sound Health will post new episodes every Monday. Start your week by exploring and experiencing new and beautiful approaches to enhance your everyday well-being. To continue the conversation, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player or app. Until next week. Mm-hmm.